Shalom, everyone. Yes, good to see more faces are coming back to the house of the Lord. And uh, indeed, we are very happy uh, for what God has uh, done for us. And God has been uh, really, really faithful to each and every one of us as well. And of course, you know, uh, it's also my joy to see the children uh, just now were joining us in worship. And we will, you know, continue to worship with the children at least once a month uh, on the uh, fourth Sunday of every month. The children will join us in worship and I believe that they can learn and they can participate together and we as adults too can be a good role model for them. Alright, and uh, for the last couple of weeks, we have been emphasizing on mentoring, which is a focus of uh, these, the rest of the year, the focus of the rest of the year uh, in the IDMC. Right? And I'm sure that by now we are all very familiar and have a better understanding of what mentoring is all about. We have heard about the purpose, the goal of mentoring. We talk about uh, the process of mentoring. And today, I actually want to talk about the mentoring relationship. And I pray and hope that these messages will not just be theoretical or information. Oh, yeah, I know something about mentoring. I hope it's not. I pray and hope that you know it will create a desire in each and every one of our hearts to Pursue a mentoring relationship, either be a mentor or be a mentee. And our focus is on personal mentoring. I know there are different, different types of mentoring, but our focus as a church collectively is on personal mentoring, which involves at least two persons who regularly interact and grow together and speak to the life of one another and help to develop a different aspect of our life. And before we proceed on, let's just have a word of prayer, shall we? Father, we want to thank you for the last few messages we have heard about mentoring. Thank you for the recently concluded mentoring seminar that we have learned so much about this entire mentoring process and how we can be part of it. So I pray your Holy Spirit will take the message this morning and begin to stir in each and every one of our hearts a greater desire to draw close to you and to get to know you and to grow in our spiritual walk. And we know, Lord, one of the ways for us to grow is that, that we will speak to the life of each one another. And I pray, Lord, that we can do so through this mentoring process. Open up our hearts, O oh God, so that we will not close our mind to what you have to say to us, but each and every one of us will be responsive to the message and to the prompting of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. As we commit this time to you, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, since our focus is on personal mentoring, and I know that one of the greatest models of the mentorship in the Bible is that of Elijah and Elisha. Elijah and Elisha. And as, and as I look into the life of these two great prophets, and I observed that the mentorship naturally includes the four IDMC process. There is the connect, there is an equip, there is a mentor, and there is a release. You'll be able to see these four phases at work in the mentorship of Elijah and Elisha. 
And the mentorship by Elijah, Elijah is that of mentoring or ministry for ministry. And how Elijah prepared Elijah for the ministry that was ahead of him. How many of you often get confused with Elijah and Elisha? You get confused. Yeah, you get confused. And uh, do you always get confused who comes first and who comes next? Yeah, you want to remember how to, you know, uh, 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 be very clear that when we talk about Elijah and Elisha, who comes first, you want to be very clear? Yeah, it's a very simple way that you can remember and you will not go wrong. Elijah and Elisha, there is one word, Eli, Eli, both are the same. Come to Elijah is a J, right? Come to Elisha is a S. Always remember J is before S, am I right? Uh, so you always remember since J is before S, Elisha is the first one. Elisha is the second one that come along. Then you will never go wrong. Okay? Can? Alright, good. So we want to look at, look at uh, uh, these two fellows. Right? So most of us are familiar with the story of Elijah and how he was a great prophet. And he, was, he dared to challenge king. He dared to challenge false prophet. And at one time, he challenged a false prophet of Baal and he overcame them with the power of God. And, uh, you know, he destroyed them. And it was a high point in his ministry. He was really high point. But soon, we know the story very well that how Queen Jezebel was after his life. And immediately, you know, wow, his emotion, his move just went down and caused him to be at the verge of a burnout. And it was during that time that he ran. He ran away, yes, from persecution. But on the other hand, he was running towards the mountain of God. He ran to Mount Horeb. Right? And it was at the Mount Horeb that he wanted to have a time out. He said, yes, God, it's enough. I have enough of this. I just want a time out. I just want a break. And there God renewed his passion. In fact, he told God, I want to quit, Lord. But God told him that you want to quit. Well, you can, but... Not yet. You can, but not yet. And so it was there at Mountain of God where God spoke to him in a still small voice and God sent him to look for a successor by the name of Elisha. So in other words, God is telling him that if you want to quit, then you must look for a successor before you quit. And so in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 15 to verse 16, and this is what the Lord told Elijah right? And the Lord said to him, go back the way you came Go back the way you came right? And he went on to tell him to anoint what? To anoint who? To anoint Elisha, son of Shepherd From the town of Abimeholah To replace you as my prophet So it was very specific God told Elijah to anoint Elisha as a prophet in his place. Now, I want you to notice that Elijah did not choose his mentee in this case. He did not choose his successor. God was the one who picked his choice. It was just like Moses, I preached in the first Sunday of the month, that Moses also did not pick Joshua. It was God who picked Joshua. It was God to tell Moses to anoint Joshua. And so in this case, God already told Elijah, Elijah who was to be his successor. And on the other hand, Elisha did not volunteer himself and make himself available 
before God called him. He didn't. He was busy minding his own business, taking care of his farm. Right? But of course, he responded. He responded to God's calling. Uh, and he was willing and he made himself available when Elijah came to him. So Elijah was tasked with the responsibility of mentoring, preparing and equipping Elisha for the prophetic ministry in the future. So Elijah took the role of mentoring very seriously. He knew he was to be a mentor, so he took it very seriously. And let's see how Elijah carried out the mentoring process. All right, first of all, you notice that Elijah connected with Elisha. Elijah connected with Elisha. So in the IDMC process, the first one is connect. And how did he connect? In 1 Kings 19, verse 19 to 21, we are going to read it. Right? Uh, turn to your Bible. 19, verse 19 to 21. So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shepherd. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12 pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and my mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. So in verse 19, it told us that Elijah found Elisha. And Elijah actually didn't say much. He just went over him because God said, look for him. So he looked for him and this guy, he was busy. Uh, he was working hard. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. So you can see that he was quite well-to-do. He must have a big farmland to need 12 pairs of oxen. You know? And so, you know, and Elijah said, well, this guy is busy, good. He's not a lazy fella. He's not idling around. He just went there, didn't say anything. He just took on his mantle, the cloak, the outer cloak, the mantle, and just put it on Elisha. And that is a very significant of this casting of the mantle, we call it. Right? So in this casting of the mantle, Elijah connected with Elisha. He extended the hand of friendship. He extended the hand of friendship and in fact, he was telling Elisha, you know, I want to bring you under my wings. I want to bring you under my care for mentoring. It was a silent language. It was a language by action. That action itself is very significant and Elisha actually knew it. Not only that, it was an invitation to be part of something bigger. Why? Elisha was to turn from being a farmer to a prophet. It is something bigger than himself. It was something that he perhaps had not thought on until this point of his life. And not only that, it was a call. It was a challenge to respond to God's will. It was a challenge to respond to God's plan and to respond to God's calling. And so the casting of the mantle was very symbolical and yet very significant. Sometimes in July this year, after the Legends Vision Exhibition match at the Asiata Arena in Bukit Jalil, Malaysia, 
Our Malaysia badminton legend Datuk Li Chong Wei, he handed his record to a young and rising star by the name of Ng Ziyong. And let's just take a look at this picture. Right? And uh, it was a very symbolical and yet a significant, especially for Ziyong, the young shuttler. Although according to Datuk Li Chong Wei, he hoped that the symbolic action will bring luck to the young player and motivate him to excel. He stopped short by saying that I want him to be my successor. I want him to be the next legend. He didn't say that. Now, he was a bit cautious, he, but I, I believe in his heart, perhaps he wanted to. He just said that I wish him luck, especially more so he was to be part of the player, a main singer player for the Commonwealth game. So because of that, I believe that Ng Zuyong was very motivated, very inspired. And he did extremely well in the Commonwealth Badminton Mixed Team event by beating the former world number one. Right? And he helped Malaysia right, to win, regain the Commonwealth Badminton Gold Medal. He played a very important role. And subsequently, he went on to win the Commonwealth Individual Silver Medal. So it was an achievement, amazing achievement in such a short time because we knew, we all know that he was not supposed to play in the Commonwealth, but he was a last-minute recruit, a last-minute replacement for Li Zizia who pulled out of the, last, of the game last minute. So I believe that symbolic gesture must be totally inspirational to him. And he felt honoured and motivated him to give all he could to earn the trust that the BAM as well as Li Chong Wei has placed on him. So similarly, when we look at this, we can imagine how inspired Elisha was and how honoured he felt to have the well-known prophet Elijah came to his kampong all the way, look for him personally, right, and then put the mantle on him, put the cloak on him. It was symbolical, but Elisha caught it. So Elisha accepted the call, the challenge, but he was not thrust into the ministry immediately. He had to learn from his mentor. He had to be prepared. He had to be equipped before he could be released into the ministry. And Elisha was willing to go through the entire process with his mentor. He was willing to submit and subject himself to the mentoring of Elijah. And so next, Elijah not only connected with Elisha, next, Elijah mentored Elisha. He mentored Elisha. That is the next part of equip and mentor. We want to see how the mentoring relationship between Elijah and Elisha developed. In 1 Kings 19, verse 19 to 21, just now we have already read the entire passage. But verse 21 specifically mentioned, right? Look at the verse 21, it specifically mentioned the last statement. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. So Elijah followed Elijah. Elijah was willing to leave behind his occupation. He was willing to leave behind his family, the life that he had built over the years in order to follow a man who offered himself to be his mentor. And what did the Bible tell us? He actually killed his oxen. Not only killed his oxen, he actually, you know, all the equipment that he had, you know, he actually dismantled them, he burned them, and he had some sort of farewell feast in his neighborhood. 
And sometimes we wonder why Elisha wants to do that. You know, he can always pass it on to somebody, yeah? but apparently he didn't. Uh, in our today's context, it would be like selling off your business. You sell off your business, you throw a party with the proceeds. You say goodbye to your friend. So he was willing to burn the bridges. He was willing to humble himself and learn from the start. And that began the mentoring relationship. He followed Elijah. But what role did Elijah play as he followed Elijah? Well, he took a humbling position. He became Elijah's personal servant. Because just now we read that he followed Elijah and became his servant. But in another passage of scripture, in 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 11, uh, while they were you know, having some war going on and the king was wanting to look for a prophet. Of course, during that time, there were many false prophets around and the false prophets will always give them uh, false hope and false messages. And so in, in this passage of scripture, King Jehoshaphat being a good king, he wanted to listen to the genuine prophet of God, not any prop, uh, false prophet. So he asked, is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Shepherd, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. I want you to take note, he said that he used to pour water on the hand of Elijah. That means he was Elijah's personal servant. Personal servant, a personal assistant, a very humbling experience for Elijah, you know, to go through. He was, I believe he was quite successful you know, in his farm, having 12 pairs of oxen. But he was willing to go through the process. He wasn't proud. Right? He did not say, Elijah, since God told you that he has picked me, since God has chosen me to take over from you, I'm ready now. Can you please step aside and let me take over? He didn't. He wasn't proud. Right? He knew that his time has not yet come. He was willing to subject himself to the mentorship of Elijah to observe his life and to learn from this man of God. Now, how long did Elijah serve did Elijah serve under Elijah? How long did he serve under Elijah? One year? Two years? Maybe three years? Because we say you go to Bible school for three years, maybe three years. But no. Right? According to some Bible scholars, right, and they've been doing some research, of course the Bible did not specifically mention, uh, it's quite likely, you know, they estimated, uh, when they read and they estimated the time, could be at least six years or maybe up to ten years. So can you, you can imagine, for about six to ten years, it's a long process. And here is a man that God has already handpicked. But God was not yet, the time has not yet come, and God has not yet removed Elijah from ministry. He told Elijah, you hang on. You hang on there until Elijah is ready. So those years of serving as a personal servant of Elijah were not wasted years. People say, oh yeah, he's wasted. He's a man of good potential. But it was not wasted. But rather, these were years of character building. So in serving Elijah, Elijah could learn so much by just observing Elijah's life and ministry. I believe he learned it's not just the skills. 
Uh, it's not just how to do prophetic ministry, how to hear from God and so on and so forth. But much more, he wants to call on the spirit of Elijah. He wanted to learn how to be, be a prophet in the essence, right? And somebody made this statement. He said, Elijah was destined for a double portion. But if he had never first offered himself as a servant to Elijah, he would have remained a farmer and never performed the amazing miracles that blessed the lives of so many people. He was willing to offer himself as a servant. He learned spiritual discipline. He learned spiritual habit. He learned how to do ministry under the tutelage of Elijah. Elijah. And it's obvious that Elijah was also connected with the school of the prophets. During Elijah's time, he had started some school of the prophets, and we read about it in 2 Kings chapter 2. And so there was one, uh, uh, quite a big group of them, quite a number of them. So I believe that he also learned together with others, although he probably received more personal coaching, more personal attention from Elijah compared to the rest. So those years of building were the building of foundation taking in as much as possible before he was ready for his own ministry. So you realize that the mentee must adopt a learning posture. He must not only learn from his mentor, but he must learn from other peers as well. So in this case, Elijah learned from his mentor, Elijah, and he learned from the rest of the students in the school of the prophet. There were also peer mentoring going on. So the mentoring relationship developed and progressed right, as Elisha spent time with Elijah. This is very much like what we, you know, read and properly watch, you know, the movie, like, you know, like the apprenticeship, like disciple of a Kung Fu master. Right? In the Chinese, those Kung Fu firm, they will always have the disciple, the Todai, looking for the master, the Sifu. I do not know why every time they write about that, they will always go up to the mountain, you know, to look for their seafood, you know. And then, you know, they will spend time, and really this disciple, this Todai, he will leave the family. He will carry, you know, the back, the powerful, and then just go and spend the rest of his life with his master and learn all the things that, learn all the martial arts he needs. But not only that, you realize that the master will also impart to him philosophy of life. Right? Not just a fighting, not just a skill, but talk to him, you know, tell him, teach him the philosophy, all the, all the lessons he needs to learn, moral principle. And then, what will the Todai do? He will serve the master. Right? He will do whatever the master called him to do, whatever the Sifu called him to do. He will serve and he will be very loyal, very humble and learn as much as he can until he was ready. Uh, to go down or until the seafood passed away. That's how the storyline goes, right? Most of the storyline are like that. But that was mentoring too. So it was like a father and son. Uh, the seafood like a father to the Todai. And so in this case, it's the same with Elijah and Elisha. So the role of the mentor was to impart. And the role of the mentee was to learn and receive. And the mentee need to have a learning posture that will equip and prepare him for the task that is ahead. And then lastly, Elijah released Elisha. The mentoring, the IDMC, right? the last one is released. And we come to the point that Elijah 
was were ready to release Elijah. Elijah knew that his time was up, and he was ready to let Elijah to take on the role of a prophet in replace of him. He knew Elijah was ready to begin his own ministry, but Elijah himself at that point was not willing to let go of Elijah yet. Not because he was not ready, but Elijah was hungry. He was hungry for something even more. He was hungry for more. Even though he was ready, but he was still hungry for more. And so what Elijah did is that Elijah stayed close to Elijah. And let's just walk through 2 Kings chapter 2. Right? And at different point in time that when Elijah even persuaded Elijah to stay on, he didn't. We want to see how Elijah chose to, uh, Elijah chose to stay close to Elijah. Chapter 2, let's look at verse 1, 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 1. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha went on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, the Lord has sent me to battle. Listen to what Elisha answered. He said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to battle. All right? Then let's skip and look at verse 4. Here now they are at battle. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied the same thing he said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. And now at Jericho, look at verse 6. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And again, Elijah answered the same thing. As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. The reason why Elijah stayed close to Elijah was that he wanted to receive the double portion of his spirit. Later on, we know. But before that, Elijah also wasn't sure what Elisha was up to. Why is this guy following me? Three times I asked him to stay put. He didn't want. All right? And uh, when he asked for the double portion, in other words, he wanted to have the full right as that of the firstborn son. Remember, during that time I mentioned to you there's a school of prophets and there were also many students of the prophet. They were learning to be a prophet just like Elijah. But out of the many of them, Elijah was the, Elisha was the only one who wanted to stay close to Elijah. He was the only one. The rest didn't follow. He was the only one who wanted to stay close to Elijah on his last journey on earth. Even though they all knew, and the student of the prophet all knew that Elijah era is coming to an end. Elijah was the only one who hungry for the full prophetic inheritance. He desired the prophetic anointing in its fullness. He was ready to take over from Elijah as the successor and not one of the prophets. There are many prophets during that time in Israel. Some more well-known, some less well-known. And when you read the Old Testament, there were some prophets God would just send without even naming them. So there were actually many prophets. But Elijah wanted to be the one that take over from 
Elijah. That is different. He was hungry for more. Although other students from the school tried to dissuade Elijah from following Elijah, Elijah was not deterred. Even Elijah himself tried to stop Elijah. But Elijah chose to stay close to him. Elisha was pursuing something that other prophetic students didn't think of. Many times, we are fooled into thinking that the job of the mentor is to pursue the mentee or the protege. But this biblical account reveals that Elisha's success was found in the mentee's relentless pursuit of his mentor. It was the other way around. It's not the mentor pursuing the mentee, it's the mentee that was hungry enough, relentlessly pursuing the mentor. It's the mentee that showed the enthusiasm, the passion, and was proactive in pursuing something bigger than himself. And that's what makes the mentoring relationship meaningful and what makes it work. And so Elisha not only followed and stayed close to Elijah, Elisha stayed Focus. Elisha was discouraged by so many people, but Elisha was very focused. He was determined on what he wanted. And please take note that Elisha did not hastily open his mouth to ask for anointing when Elijah asked him. So you notice that Elijah began to say, hmm, this guy, he followed me all the way. Just now we stopped at Jericho, right? And then at Jericho, Elijah said, we'll go over to the Jordan. And, you know, we'll go over to the Jordan, that means they are going to cross over the river. How do they cross over the river? Right? So, as they cross over the river, Elijah sends something. Right? Let's read verse 8. Elijah took, now at the bank of the river, Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up and struck the water with it, the water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. So over to the other side of the Jordan, the rest of the students of the prophet were on the other side. Now they have crossed over. They have more privacy now. Nobody is going to eavesdrop. Nobody is going to hear what they were saying. And this is a very private moment between Elijah and Elisha. It was a very sacred moment. And then Elijah asked the golden question. He realized that this guy keep following me. There must be a reason. He asked the golden question. And Elisha gave the golden answer. And so in verse 9 and 10, when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, Tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit the double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. Verse 10, you have asked a difficult question, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise it will not. Elijah said, okay, good. That is your hunger, that's your desire, but you must be able to see me go. You must be very focused. And since Elijah was hungry for more of God and more of his anointing, that hunger caused him to pursue it through his mentor. His mentor recognized it and guided him and said, Elisha then, you must make sure that you see me go in order to receive that anointing. 
you need to be very focused. So that was a parting words. That was a parting words that the mentor gave to the mentee. Stay focused. Look at me and stay focused. So Elijah stayed focused. Not only he stayed focused. Okay, we do not know for how long more they walked across the other Jordan. The Bible didn't say. For how long more, we didn't know. All right? But he knew that his eye must not be off his mentor. He cannot be distracted by the scenery around. He cannot be distracted by the activities beyond the other river or by the noises or whatever. He just has to keep his eye focused, stay focused on the mentor. And not stay focused, he stayed patient. He was patient, he was waiting for the time, he was waiting for God's timing when he didn't know. And he didn't want to run ahead of God, he didn't want to run ahead of Elijah. You know, he just patiently waited and stayed focused. And then the moment came. The moment came in verse 11. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of, of fire appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Elijah saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. And Elijah saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. When Elijah saw Elijah went off, he saw it. Because Elijah told him, stay focused. He stayed focused. He saw that precious moment, the chariot of fire. And when they separated, Elijah tore his own garment. Right? It was a sign of mourning usually. When somebody died, they were sign of grief, sign of mourning, he tore. Right? He not just tore his own garment, but he did something else. In verse 13, this is what matters most. After he tore his own garment, Elijah then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and ran back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Elijah, he did not just run up to the whirlwind and that's it. Elijah remembered what Elijah wanted. He said that Elijah wanted the double portion. So Elijah deliberately threw out his outer garment, threw off his mantle. Elijah didn't have to do that. He can just say, goodbye, see you over the other shore. I'm going to be ushered into the presence of God. Take care of yourself, Elijah, you know. Stay healthy, stay strong. That's it. But no, I believe intentionally, deliberately, Elijah threw down his cloak. He threw down his cloak and Elijah picked it up. It was a very, very important action for both of them, for the mentor and the mentee. Elijah picked up the cloak of Elijah. The mentor that once connected him with the man of God. Remember, when they first connected, Elijah used his cloak. So the mentor that started the whole mentoring process and mentoring that outer cloak. So Elijah now released Elisha into the prophetic ministry by casting his mantle to him. He said, now you take the word, I am releasing it to you now. Alright? So you notice that the mantle of connection became the mantle of impartation. 
First, they connected, and now they say, I impart it to you, and I release you. The symbolic action of the first instance, the first time, has found its fulfillment in the second instance when the mantle fell from Elijah. So at their first encounter, Elijah placed his cloak on Elisha, but it wasn't time for him to take over. But after Elisha had gone through the entire process of being a faithful servant, Elijah left him with the cloak and released Elisha to fulfill God's will and God's calling. It had been a long journey, six to ten years, but the mentoring relationship fulfilled its purpose. It fulfilled its purpose. And see what happened. As the school, the student of the prophet was actually watching on the other side of the Jordan, across, they see what was going on, you know. And then they saw Elisha coming back. Maybe they had walked away from them. That they, perhaps they couldn't even see that Elijah was taken up. But now Elisha actually walked back to the river Jordan. And then he took the cloth and he parted the river Jordan. Uh, and he would come back across to where the students of the prophet was. And there, in verse 15, the company of the prophets from Jericho who were watching say, the spirit of Elijah is resting on Elisha. And they went to meet him and bowed to the ground before him. Why do they do that? Because Elisha did the same thing. Before they crossed over, Elijah was the one that used the mantle to part the river Jordan and walk across. And now Elijah came back. He needed to go back to the other side and he took hold of the mantle, passed down to him by Elijah. He did the same thing. He struck the river Jordan and, you know, it parted and he walked across and when the rest of the students saw, they realized that indeed, Elijah had taken on the role of Elijah and they bowed to him. Elijah took Elijah's mentor and began his new ministry, or what we would say, the Elisha era has begun. The Elisha era has begun. The attitude, the motivation, the posture of the mentee is very important in the entire mentoring relationship, as can be seen uh, from the Elijah-Elisha mentorship. To be a good mentee, you need to be willing, you need to be humble, you need to be hungry, you need to be focused, and you need to be patient. To be a good mentor, you need to connect. You need to be willing to equip, to impart whatever you know to the mentee. You need to be sensitive to the mentee's need and willing to release him or her to excel on their own. The mentoring relationship is purposeful. It is not just a stroll in the park. A stroll in the park has no direction. You just walk round and round. Okay, over, let's go home. But as mentor and mentee connect with one another, they need to find out the expectation and the goal of mentorship. And so in the case of Elijah and Elisha, it was a time of preparation for ministry. There, there was a goal. There was a purpose. So for those of you who are keen in the mentoring process, your purpose may differ one from another. To some, it may be for spiritual development. To others, it may be for skill development. To others, you know, it may be 
ministry preparation or cultivating relational skill or many, many more. So like Elijah imparting into the life of Elisha, I trust that as a body of Christ, as a church here as SJAG, we can do the same through the mentoring process. And every one of us can actually be involved. Especially for some of you, you may be new to the faith. Right? Especially those of you who are young in the faith, you have not really gone through the Christian fundamentals, the basic of the Christian life. It is good that you be involved in this discipling process of you know, connecting with a spiritual mentor, somebody who can guide you and help you in your spiritual growth process. That will be your purpose. The mentorship may not, be, it may not last that long between Elijah and Elisha, uh, we have heard some testimony when we have the pilot project. Well, it was for a few months. For some, it may last for one year, two years or more. For Elijah, Elijah is you know, very long, six to ten years. But individual mentoring relationship it is really flexible up to the mentor and the mentee. And let it be natural. Let it be purposeful. So my question this morning to all of us are, how many Elijah... And Elisha, do we have in our midst here? How many Elijah and Elisha do we have? Every Elijah needs a Elisha. But unfortunately, Elisha is not easy to find. I hope many here will have the desire to, for growth, for personal development. And that you will be open enough to be mentored so that as a church, we can grow together as the disciples of Christ. And I trust that you will desire to be like Jesus more and more. And if you really desire to be a disciple of Christ, I encourage you to take the next step. Next step forward to be mentored. But on the other hand, if you desire to be a disciple maker, rise up. To be a mentor. Rise up to be a mentor. And later at the, at the announcement, we will have a, 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 a link for you, for those of you to really fill up. Because the purpose of this message is just not to do away with the message, get done, but rather we want you to respond. And you can respond by signing up, by expressing to us whether you want to be a mentor or you want to be a mentee. So later on at the announcement, you will be able to see the link whereby you can sign up as either a mentor or a mentee or even both. Right? But for now, let's just look to the Lord in prayer. And I want to give you a moment, a moment to reflect through this message, a moment to even reflect on your own life your own growth, your own development. It can be spiritual. It can be overall. I want to give you the moment, each and every one of us, in your own way, just reflect over what has been shared this morning.
Ask yourself, where are you in your spiritual growth and in your spiritual journey? If you find that somehow your spiritual journey has come to a halt, it's not progressing. At times, it's regressing. And you know that you may not have even the spiritual discipline to progress on. And you need someone to journey with you, to give you a little push, to nudge you on, to help you to overcome some personal struggle. Well, it's time for you to look for a mentor and say, yes. He say it's time for me to grow. It's time for me to have a breakthrough in my spiritual walk. And I need a mentor to help me, to guide me along. Or perhaps you are looking for growth in the area of personal development, not only spiritual, but in other aspects of your personal life, whether emotionally or relationally, or even in the area of your future of your career and you need someone to also give you further insight and help you and journey with you yes you do need a mentor or there can be many other reasons as you look at your own personal life that the, the lack that is in it and you know that you prob probably very difficult for you to do it all on your own and you need a mentor if that is the case, I strongly encourage you to respond to be a mentee so that as a church, we'll try our very best and pray along with you that we will help you find a mentor. And perhaps for some of you, you have grown to a level, you say that I have received so much, it's time for me to impart. I do not just want to keep everything to myself. I want to do something more fulfilling. I want to do something more significant. Uh, I, I just do not want to have all the blessing and keep them. I want to be able to impart, to help somebody else. I want to be a disciple maker. Then I encourage you to be a mentor. I know that some of you here, you have known so much, you have learned so much, you have been through life. You know, and you actually have a lot that you are able to help with the younger generation. I encourage you to offer yourself as a mentor.